Justice for the blind. Just something that'll find in the rhyme that are coming from good morning, my Good morning, good morning, good morning, guys. It is Wednesday today. We are going to uh, prep you up before the Sixers game tonight. We play the Pistons. That should be a win, as I mentioned on the other podcast previous to this, uh, which you guys should be checking out. Make sure you follow the page for all uh, updates. You know, follow it all. The, the website will be up this week. And I will be writing pieces. I will be musing you with the written word uh, from a degenerate such as myself. So, um, so yeah, we play the, the, the Pistons tonight. That should be a win. Uh, Derrick Rose will probably score 30 or something like that. That's what he does. Uh, Christian Wood, dominant, killing it out there. Scored 30 again the other night. Uh, very good basketball player. We had him on our um, on our. Uh, summer league team a couple years ago. I mentioned this in a previous pod podcast, and I've always been a fan of his. Um, he looks good, so good for him. Whatever. Uh, Pistons suck though, so we should win that game. Uh, Luke Kennard will probably hit eight three pointers on us, something like that. Uh, Joel is questionable for tonight, which is just irritating. Um, somehow Josh is going to play tonight, even though he's still experiencing headaches. So who go figure with this training staff? You know what I mean? Oh, Joe, your shoulder is a little, is a little sore. Uh, why don't you just, we're not sure about you. Oh, Josh, you still can't see bright lights. Uh, why don't you play though? You're fine. Go figure. Um, but that's the training staff we have. It's what we employ here. That's how Zaire almost died from a peanut allergy last year. Uh, and that's what we're going to roll with. So, uh, just a couple notes. Uh, before I, I dig into a couple of NBA headlines that happened over the past weekend, a couple of things that have transpired over the last few days. So, uh, Jimmy Butler was on the JJ Roddick, JJ Roddick. That's another poor name. JJ Riddick podcast, JJ Reddick podcast. I'm sorry. Not the movie with, uh, Vin Diesel either. Um, so he was on the JJ Reddick podcast, uh, and had some illuminating things to say. Not, not there wasn't anything too spicy, uh, but you know, just a few things that confirm kind of what we thought now, now, again, we're taking this from Jimmy's point of view and Jimmy, Jimmy tends to, you know, he said he doesn't throw anybody under the bus on the podcast, but in my, in my, in my history, uh, following Jimmy Butler, he's thrown many a person under the bus. Um, so, but, but I think it's important to know, uh, that, you know, maybe some of the, the strife between him and Ben, which I think is what a lot of us kind of thought was going on. Um, was a little overblown. So he, he mentioned when he first got there that he just wasn't sure who was in charge. He didn't know who to talk to about things. He, he just didn't know who was in charge. And that is emblematic, uh, a, a, a emblematic of things that we have seen with things that I've mentioned where we don't know how much how much power Brett has over the starting lineup. I mean, we know Brett's going to make the decisions in the lineup and rotation, but how much um, how much of it is just his decision, how much of it is influenced from the front office. Uh, he also mentioned that in the playoffs last year, he found it frustrating that he could understand why Ben, which could relate why Ben didn't look so great in that Raptor series. You know, a lot of us kind of thought that he didn't look good in the Raptor series because, uh, you know, he just struggles against good teams, which, again, was a thing for a while. But maybe Jimmy, what Jimmy said was, uh, you know, he thought it was fucked up that we changed the offense kind of in that series. We just go in that series and change the offense completely. And now Jimmy's handling the ball. Um, and that's problematic. You know, that's scary. That's a scary thing. You just you're running one offense and then completely change the offense in one play, playoff series. Uh, now it got us to game seven. 
Uh, but, you know, if you ever want to take a player out of a game, you know, that's pretty much how you do it. Um, so, you know, go figure. Uh, go figure. Now, again, is that Brett's fault? How, mu- how much pressure is he getting from the front office? Who knows? I don't know. Uh, really hard to tell. I, I-, I tell you what, uh, Brett, continuing with Brett and his bullshit, uh, he intends on starting Allen Joe out tonight now. With that said, the last time we saw Allen Joe on the court together, uh, besides the Cleveland game, uh, was the game before Cleveland. I can't remember right now. Uh, and it, it wasn't terrible when Ben was out because Ben was out at the time. Uh, it, and it was the game that Joe really put his stamp on the game. I think it was that game uh, where Joe just looked dominant and Al started next to him. You know what I mean? Now, Al was trash, of course. Again, you know, you could just sprinkle shit on, you just sprinkle sugar on shit. It's still shit. Um, and, but the point being that it wasn't as bad because the spacing was still a little bit better once you remove Ben. Um, the thing is, is I don't see a point to this, Brett. I don't see the point. It, it's probably not going to go bad. It probably won't go terribly. Um, but what's the point? We need Ben. Now, I'll tell you what the scary point is, is if you're trying this now, his, his, I can't, his exact quote was something like trying to want to, want to try to get them kind of, uh, cohesive before Ben comes back. Well, if you had five games, let's say, before Ben came back, you wouldn't have enough time to do that. Uh, so it just leads me to believe that, yeah, we're not going to see Ben the rest of the regular season. And if we are, it won't be for another like two, two to three weeks. Um, but what's the point? Truly, what's the point? I don't want to see Al and Joe ever. Even if it works this time, I don't ever want to see it. I don't want to see it. It just... <laughs> If we were playing Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley, I think I've made this 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 uh, I think I've said this before. If we're playing Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley, one we'd still lose because Al Al can't score on Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley would talk Al out of the game before the game kicks off. He'd probably call him a pretty motherfucker, and then the first flagrant, that's the end of Al. We don't see him again. You know, Joe would probably would probably fuck up Pat. I'm gonna be honest with you. He would he's gonna fuck Patrick Ewing up, but. But they, they, they once Al's out, they're just going to put Patrick Ewing on like on Ben and then they're going to have Charles Oakley beat the shit out of Joe. And listen, Charles Oakley, that man is in shape. You know, what I mean, he's going to beat up Joe up and down the court. Also depends who's ref in the game. You know, what I mean, it depends who's ref in the game uh, anyway. So, yeah, I don't want to see that. I don't I don't understand how 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 we're, we're still in this confusion, this muddled mess. So, yeah, I'm 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 done. I'm done. If this is Brett's decision, fire him. Fire him. I, I mentioned on last podcast, is Brett a good coach? It's the question we're trying to answer. You know what I mean? Trying to answer. Well, he answered the question resoundingly yesterday with this fucking news. Because now I got to watch tonight's game against the Pistons. Where, again, we have no idea if, if Joe's playing. He's questionable. We got concussion concussion Josh playing, though, who probably can't see straight still. Um, and we have no clue. We, we may see Al and Joe. So I get to watch this clogged toilet play basketball again. You know what I mean? Nothing like watching a clogged toilet do anything. So fantastic. Um, so, yeah, that's going to happen tonight. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, aside from that, a couple of NBA storylines um, that that I would like to talk to. But the first thing that 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 is on top of everybody's – actually, the first thing that's on top of everybody everybody's mind is uh well maybe i don't know is the coronavirus stuff you know what i mean and it's scary and people are scared rightfully 
Um, and it's looking more, it, we're getting closer and closer and closer to a very distinct possibility that we're going to be seeing NBA games without anybody on the court, without any fans on the court. So that is going to be a crazy experience. It's going to be a scary experience. It's almost going to be like we're living in a movie. And I don't, I'm not going to talk too much about the, about any of this. I, I just don't have, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. Um, but it's crazy. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty fucking crazy. Last week, LeBron said he's not going to play if there's no fans in the arena. Uh, now that's probably not true. You know what I mean? I'm sure LeBron will play, but uh, I can understand his sentiment. You know what I mean? The LeBron's always been a guy who understood, uh, you know, kind of the, 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 the needing of the fans, right? We need fans. The, the NBA needs fans. You don't, that that's kind of what some of these guys sometimes miss. Like when Russ does the whole fuck the media thing and, uh, is like cursing out fans to a certain extent. I get it. You know, fans, we, as fans, we need to do better. We shouldn't be at arenas talking all types of crazy shit to basketball players. You know what I mean? Just cause you pay for a ticket doesn't mean you could just like, uh, um, uh, just like straight up disrespect somebody. You know what I mean? You can hate them. You can make fun of their free throw form. You can make fun of anything about their basketball game. In my opinion, like that, I think is pretty much it. You know what I mean? West Westbrook, you suck at basketball. Fine, um, you know, but but to yeah, some of the things that that fans say is too much. You know what I mean? It's too, I don't care that you paid for a ticket. You don't get the that doesn't give you uh, the freedom to say whatever you you're gonna say. You know what I mean? Like about somebody's personal life, personal business. But uh, what what on the other side, the fans pay your contract. You know what I mean? You don't become a hundred. You don't become a guy with generational wealth in the NBA without fans doing that. And that's something that LeBron always understood. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of crazy. So so uh, Golden State, it's looking like, I mean, unless something significant happens that's going to pull back um, this coronavirus stuff, like in the next couple of days, probably as early as next week, we're going to start seeing uh, we're, we'll be seeing empty arenas at games. Um and we should take that seriously. You know what I mean? Like we should not normal. We normalize so many things. Um, we we and not not to get too far into this. We normalize so much crazy behavior uh, just because of the climate of how things are right now, right? You hear so much crazy shit in one day, and part of this is because of social media. You go on Twitter and you'll read ten crazy headlines at one time. If you go into any floor, if you just Google Florida. Right now, you're going to read 10 crazy hell and you're just not going to understand because it's Florida, right? So if you did that, you're just nor you're going to end up normalizing that these headlines, as crazy as they are, they're going to start becoming numb to you. So the idea that we could watch an NBA game without any fans in the stadium, that should not be something that we just gloss over and, and it's going to be normalized. It's something that we should really be like kind of freaked out about. So um, not to, to get too deep into it. So yeah, I mean, that that's possible that's going to happen. But to brighter skies, uh, the other big headline from this weekend is LeBron staking a claim. Um, I mean, holy shit. <laughs> My man played the Bucks on Friday um, and just just really, man, just listen, it takes more than LeBron to stop Giannis. Understand that. OK, so it's not just LeBron stopping Giannis. What it is is when you're taking it, and, and and there's a lot of talk about narrative in a lot of podcasts, the MVP narrative, which is which is really the MVP award becomes a whole thing about narrative. In my opinion, this this is uh, if you listen to Bill Simmons podcast, it's kind of a reply to him in a, in a sort of sort of way. 
in my opinion, the Derrick Rose, uh, when he won MVP that year, was so much about narrative. Was the, the narrative was everything. Because I remember at that time, it was just the... This idea, the, the, the LeBron can't do it on his own. He flee, he flees Cleveland to greener pastures, needs better to, to, to find better teammates. And then we got this kid from Chicago, homegrown kid, doesn't have any other all-stars on his team. And he's, he, they have the best record or they had uh, they may have finished with the best record in the East. Um, but when you really look at his numbers, see, you know, LeBron had a LeBron season and Derrick Rose had a Derrick Rose, like great Derrick Rose season, which was which was OK. Um in fact, let me let me pull these stats up while we're here. So so that was that was so much about narrative. You know what I mean? It was it was just at that point, um, LeBron had made himself the bad guy. You know what I mean? He made himself the bad guy. Let's see, Derrick Rose, his MVP year, his stats. Um, he made himself the bad guy, and that was pretty much the narrative at that time. And then Derrick Rose was becoming like. You know, he was like, oh, man, this is like the guy, you know what I mean? Like, this is the guy we want, you know what I mean? And then even even to go a step further, I remember um, because KD loves to have KD is the king of revisionist history. Uh, and I hate I hate talking about KD. And I hate talking about any basketball player in this way, because it, again, makes makes it seem like like I may know more about him. Than, than I really do. And I, I don't you know, I don't know anything about KD. I don't know him personally. You know what I mean? Let me see. I think this was the year right here. Was it uh, 2010, 2011, maybe? Hold on. This should not have been this difficult to find. Um, So, MVP. Yeah, 2010, 2011. Finished with 97% of the vote. Yeah, let's see here. All right, so he finished with 13.1 win shares, um, 44% from the field, 33% shooting. Yeah, this is what I thought, 25 and 7.7 assists, 4 rebounds. You go down to LeBron, uh, so Dwight Howard finishes second that year, one of one of many years that he finishes pretty high, 14.4 win share. LeBron has a 15.6 win share and averages 27, 8, and 7. Um, 51% field goal shooting, 33% three point. So the same three point percentage, a better field goal percentage overall, um, a better win share, uh, more points, more rebounds, almost the same amount of assists. Um, yeah, LeBron should have won that year. I'm going to be honest with you. That was all because of narrative. Um, but whatever that that's aside from the point. So narrative plays a huge role in the NBA. Cause at that point, Derrick Rose was looked at like King Arthur coming to slay the dragon that is the the heat um and and it was it, it was bullshit LeBron should have won that year uh the Steph Curry years I'm cool with Steph winning I mean Steph really literally was the most dominant player on the court in a way like I said it the way Steph was so important because of how how we view the game how we view what is dominant right we view dominance as Giannis now or dominance as LeBron going coast to coast or dominance is Shaq in the post we view that as dominant but to understand that Steph is dominant because when he steps on the court, when he's 35 feet away from the basket, an entire defense is stretched out. It's like if you took five bottles, right? You put five bottles in a glass and you saran, I mean, in a box, and then you saran wrap the top of that, or put 10 bottles, I'm sorry, and saran wrap uh, the top of it. And then you take the saran wrap 
and just try to drag it to one bottle, you're going to see every single bottle shift to that one bottle. And right, this right here is an A1 metaphor. This is one of my better metaphors, and I dare you to, to try to shit on this metaphor because this metaphor is fire. Uh, and you drag the, the, the plastic, you're going to see every one of those bottles shift. Uh, they're going to just shift to the one, and that's exactly how Steph is. And So Steph was important. He wins the first MVP. Uh, which was good, but then the second year has the arguably the most efficient, and not even arguably, according to the stats, the most efficient offensive season any player has ever had in the history of the NBA. So um, anyway, so those weren't about narrative, but that Derrick Rose one was about narrative. Uh, so narrative plays a big role in the MVP. It's it's just a fact, uh, and it's going to happen this year too. And you know the the thing is is so now the nitpicking begins because the Lakers just lost last night to the Nets. Well, you're going to nitpick that if you're picking MVP. How, how do you beat the Bucks, beat the Clippers, and lose to the Nets? Yeah, you can argue coming off some emotional highs for sure. You know what I mean? Because that's that's a big thing, emotional high. You know, they, that Clippers game was a playoff game. And we'll talk about that in a second, but um was a playoff game. You know, same thing with that Bucks game. So it was the and part of the narrative of the Bucks game. So they, they, they give Giannis problems. Um, Chris Middleton just isn't enough. Chris Middleton is a third is the third banana in the trio. He can't be your second banana. And then Eric Bledsoe is your fourth banana. He can't be your third banana. So they're they're stuck here. They're stuck here. They need another guy. You know what I mean? Chris Middleton is not the guy. If you traded Chris Middleton for Paul George, they'd be in better shape. Uh, but it, you know, obviously that's not going to happen. So you're you're kind of just stuck there a little bit. They could really use Malcolm Brogdon. I'll tell you that. You know, because see, Malcolm Brogdon is probably a third banana too. But then at least you'd have. Two, three, third bananas instead of one third banana and no second banana, you'd have two third bananas, and that would help. Um, so you know, it, it's 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 going to be a struggle for the Bucks. But what we'll remember is the plays, the couple plays where LeBron, especially down the stretch, ended up guarding Giannis. Giannis tries to do his thing, runs into LeBron into a brick wall, and. <laughs> Couldn't get anything going, and then limps, literally injures his knee in a very scary. Thank God he's 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 healthy. You know, it's just a knee sprain because uh, that shit was scary. When I watched it live, I thought his fucking leg flew off his body, um, and and hurt his knee, and literally limps off that battlefield with a loss. You know what I mean? It's a narrative, and it's a perfect narrative. It's one that's like, oh shit. You know what I mean? Maybe LeBron is the MVP. So, um, and then goes against the Clippers. And now, you know, all, a little overblown because LeBron guarding Kawhi, if you look at the numbers, is not good. Kawhi fucks that. He fucks that matchup all the way up. Uh, and then when Kawhi was guarding LeBron, when when the when the possession ended with Kawhi guarding LeBron, not good numbers. LeBron does not have good numbers in that situation. So what they started doing was hunting, which is what a point guard does. Right. You, you say, fuck, we're trying to win this game. Fuck my pride. Because that's what basketball is. It, half of the time, basketball players will lose a game because of pride, right? It, it's not about pride. You got to put your pride to the side. We're trying to win. So he starts hunting Lou Williams. He, he just starts he starts picking apart the game. Um, and it's, it, you know, incredible play. When he did defend, when he was the primary defender on the ball, he did a good job. It's, Kawhi is elite. You know what I mean? Kawhi is elite. Paul George went off. Uh, and then Anthony Davis had, had a good game. Anthony Davis, what, what's happening to the Lakers right now is exactly what LeBron probably has needed for a lot longer than we realized. Um, he didn't have it in Kyrie. See, Kyrie is the guy who, if he ever figures it out, he'll figure out that what he needs to be is, all right, you guys get us there. 
right? You guys get us there and then let me close the game. You know what I mean? What the Lakers are, are Anthony Davis, get me there and then let me close the game. I'll do spot duty here and there. When we need a big play, I'll make it. But let me close the game. And that's exactly what happened against the Clippers. So if they figure that out, that's what the Clippers need to figure out too. Paul George, get me there. Kawhi, I'll close the game. Um, so, so, and that's exactly what happened. You know what I mean? It's exactly what happened. Now, the Cl- listen, it's only one game. The Clippers are still leading that series 2-1. None of it means that much. I think this game meant more than the other two games. Um, but, you know, it, it's just something to see. This is about narrative. And LeBron is, is staking a claim as the MVP right now. I think that is a thing uh, we should pay attention to. Um, and And... Listen, if you just base it on numbers, Giannis is the MVP. You know what I mean? He's averaging like 32, 13, and 6. Something like that. It's something obscene. Um, but LeBron, you know, is average, I think, 25, 12, and 7, something like that. I mean, 12 assists. I mean, leading the league in assists at this point in his career is it's 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 kind of like what Wilt did. I don't know if you know this story. Wilt, after he won his first championship on the Lakers the following year, decided to lead the league in assists just because he could. Um And it kind of reminds me of that. So, um, you know, obscene what LeBron is doing, uh, you know, as always, no one has aged this well. Um, I I would have loved to see. I mean, some of it is science and the way we take care, the way we take care of our bodies now is just far better than how even me, who barely takes care of his body, is probably I take care of my body probably better than like Tommy Heinsohn took care of his fucking body while he was smoking cigarettes at halftime. So uh, that should tell you a lot about how these guys were taking care of their body back then. So, um, you know, it, I, you know, it, it, it's incredible to watch. I, I, I think the MVP race is a two man race. I think Luca is is probably third. Um, Luca just just Luca. The, the, what's going to kill Luca is his, his their, their clutch numbers right now. The Mavericks clutch numbers are not good down the stretch. As good as Luca is, and as a, as big as he is, Luca needs to figure out that same thing that we're just talking about with with the Kawhi and LeBron is how to close the game. KP, can you get me there? Let me close the game. KP, Tim Hardaway, I'll, I can manage. I'll make the passes. I'll go into the fourth quarter with 15 points and 10 assists. And then in that fourth quarter, I'm scoring 12 more. You know what I mean? Something like that. Let me close the game out. So uh, he'll need to figure that out. Listen, he's going to be up there for years to come. So no worries there. They lost a big game to the Pacers, though. Uh, it's a big win for the Pacers. I mentioned this on the other podcast. It was a big win for the Pacers. Um, then the Pacers played the Celtics last night. Really were losing by 10 almost the entire game um, before the Celtics came back. I mean, before the Celtics closed it out. The Celtics are good. I mean, it, it is what it is. The Celtics are, are like a fantastic team. Um we are, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't feel good about us uh, taking the fourth seed or, or maybe even the fifth seed. Let me let me take a look at these standings real quick here. Um, obviously, we need this win tonight. We're sixth. We're half a game back of the Pacers uh, who just lost. Uh, we're not going to catch the heat as much as I, I, you know, I don't know. It's hard. The way I feel right now, we're not going to catch the heat. But again, we got this three-game homestand and then we got to play the, then we play the the Hornets on the road, and we just don't know what we're gonna get. I mean, we're we don't know what we're gonna get, so uh, we'll see. Um, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, the Bucks are locked up. The Raptors with Fred Van Fleet and his son are locked up. The Celtics are locked up. They're all locked up in the playoffs already. Um, honestly, the East is. I would say the East is pretty much done for. The Magic are eighth unless they move up past the Nets. The Nets again just won that big game last night. Uh, but the Wizards are six games out. 
Um, theoretically, they could catch up six games out with 16 games to go. They're not gonna. They're not gonna catch up. They're 24 and 40. I mean, come on. Let's just be honest. They're not gonna catch up. Uh, even though Bradley Beal is putting up obscene numbers, I mean, just doing ridiculous things, it was left off the All-Star team and is letting everybody in the NBA know, yeah, we're going to lose this game, but I'm going to give you 40. So fuck you. Um, we're 38 and 26. Yeah, we're man, can we catch up to the, the Pacers? I don't know. I mean, we, we, we got to finish at fifth. I'm not scared of the Heat. I'll be honest with you. I, I know... Some people are scared of the heat. I'm not scared of the heat. And if you look at the recent struggles, there's no reason to be scared of the heat. Um, they've been losing a lot of games lately. Uh, they're coming back down to earth. Players are not going to shoot 40% from three, 45% from three every game. You know what I mean? So um, the, what's scary is their toughness. Like these guys are tough guys. Uh, and, you know, Bam is playing at another level. We'll see. Listen, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm scared of the heat necessarily. I'm not really scared of any team. Every team should be scared of us. What I'm scared of is every coach. I'm scared of every single coach in the in the league. You know what I mean? When it comes to talent, we are the best team. When it comes to coaching, we may be the worst team. So I'm scared. I'm terrified of coaching. I'm terrified of coaching. So uh, we'll keep this a short one, uh, relatively short. Uh, we'll talk about the Sixers game tomorrow. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's pretty much where we are in the NBA right now. I can't think of much. Kenny Atkinson got fired. Uh, we talked about that already. You know, could he be a better coach here than, than Brett? Who knows? Uh, maybe anybody could be a better coach here than Brett. I could probably be a better coach and I don't know shit. So, um, so yeah, keep it real guys. Everybody have a good day. Uh, we'll talk tomorrow more about, about this Sixers Pistons games, which should be a blowout. I shouldn't even have to watch the second half. You know what I mean? But pray to God pray that, that that we could see like the bench get emptied in the fourth quarter maybe we'll actually have a game like that for once um but we'll see all right everybody have a good day justice for the blind just something that'll find in the rhyme that are coming from my mind you-